0: Welcome to Zero Brightness, a podcast about horror video games. My name's Ali. I'm joined by my friend James. How's it going, James?
1: I haven't blinked in 30 minutes.
0: Perfect. That's right. Today we're talking about shoot-em-up games, or shmups. We're talking about
1: horror shmups. Spooky shmups. Spooky shmups. There aren't a lot of them out there. There's kind of like a... We get a little drip feed throughout the 80s, 90s, and 2000s, but, um, you know, uh, Horror Shmups is kind of a, a uh, unappreciated little mini subgenre in in the action game world.
0: Right. Well, and I think you had maybe mentioned that there were some older games in this mm-hmm. style, or mm-hmm. games that kind of had more of a gory sort of look and feel to them. Um and I know, like, like Salamander does, kind of the sequel to
1: Life Force. Yeah, you know, there's, you know, there's like uh, Abadox, mm-hmm. which is more sci-fi horror for NES. There's like Zombie Nation, which is kind of like Japanese horror shmup for NES. Sure. Uh, there, there've been a couple throughout the years, but um, I kind of uh picked two. Well, one sort of known as a a classic bullet hell shmup and the other one is it kind of popped up in our discord for discussion and it looked pretty cool so we both uh gave it a shot and both liked it so we're reviewing two shmups today yeah in in completely different styles
0: yeah we're talking about blackbird and we're talking about death smiles those are the two games so that's kind of fun Mm-hmm. Um, but before we get too deep into it, as always, this episode is brought to you by you. You can go to patreon.com slash zero brightness to sign up to support the show directly. Also, we are a game club. Uh, we tell you what we're going to play next. So you can play it along with us and you can jump in our discord and talk to us about games or whatever else that your heart desires. Yeah. So these games, uh, <laughs> <laughs> these horror shoot 'em ups. So this is what's kind of funny. Okay, if you don't know what the shoot 'em up genre is, uh, I think we've talked about it on the show before, at least briefly,
1: a little teeny bit. Yeah. But
0: these are basically games that emerge or sort of grew out of the the oldest arcade games, right?
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: they're generally games where you play as a little spaceship and you pew 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 lasers at enemies (laughs) while the screen scrolls either vertically like in uh well galaga galaga that's it either vertically like in galaga or horizontally like in gradius
1: sure right
0: and, like, there's obvious forebears to this, like, Space Invaders being one. And, you know, mm-hmm. if you look it up online, you can see that, like, the first one came out, like, a super long time ago,
1: right? <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, Space Invaders was, what, 78, 79? Yeah. yeah.
0: And I think when I looked it up, there's even one before that that people say is, like, the original original. I don't mm-hmm. know. You know? But Space Invaders, nice. for all intents and purposes, is, like, kind of the OG. Um, but over time, these games... Grew to be a lot more complicated and have a totally different feel to them. I think mm-hmm. to me, Gradius feels like a real like start of the modern kind of like shmup game.
1: Yeah, Gradius R type. Yeah. Um, for consoles, the Thunder Force series, mm-hmm. um, Star Soldier for the Turbo Graphics games like that. I yeah, there's so many of these games that it's you know you can you can have a, a huge list of you know great games to play if you just have an insatiable appetite for the stuff
0: totally but yeah i think that gradius and r-type are absolutely like the big dogs if you're trying to go see kind of like the origin point of a lot especially of- for
1: the horizontal shooters
0: yes uh, yeah exactly um but it's a, it's an interesting genre because from that, it branched off into stuff that's like totally not like that at all. And uh, one of the games, you know, Blackbird, one of the games we're covering today, does mm-hmm. feel a little more traditional in some ways. Like, if you've sure. played R Type, I think that you'll kind of have a handle on what it's doing. Uh, whereas the other game we're covering, Death Smiles, is more like this weird niche thing that grew out of these games which is called mm. Bullet Hell. Right, yeah. And, I don't know, for me I'm not into these games, like, at all. I actually didn't know this was a Bullet Hell game until I looked at James's notes and I was like, shit. Like, I thought I was <laughs> into Bullet Hell games for a minute because one of my favorite games ever is Ikaruga, which is like, mm-hmm. technically a Bullet Hell game, mm-hmm. but igaruga feels so different than every other bullet hell game i've played um and i've i've talked about how much i love igaruga in other episodes (laughs) like Mm -hmm. uh but yeah like i don't know these games are just crazy they're just all about like sensory overload and basically just filling your screen with stuff that you have to dodge
1: they're kind of like being inside a pachinko machine I think uh, there, it's just sensory overload like the music is loud all the sound effects are loud the screen is just filled with bullets towards the end of the game Um, yeah it's it's just one of the subgenres where like you just can't blink Um, but I think death smiles is one of the easier to get into bullet hell games. Uh, I would say it's a a good one to start with if you're not familiar with the genre. Just because uh, before each stage it lets you choose a difficulty, and on the lower lower difficulty settings, um, it's really not that bullet hell-ish until the last few stages.
0: Yeah, well, so the problem I think that I have with these games is that, well, they give me a headache, um that's a big one. Like I just mm. literally whenever I try and play one of these I get a headache, especially if I like have the sound up at a normal volume cuz it's just like screeching guitar and like explosion noises. <laughs> <laughs> and it just like really drives me up the wall, but I think the other thing is like it's such a crazy extreme style of game that like either you get good at it or you put everything on easy and then it's kind of like barely a game. You know what I mean? You just
1: like keep throwing in virtual quarters until you see that in credits. Yeah,
0: Yeah. exactly. And like I definitely prefer the older school like shmup games because I think that the the difficulty is more balanced. Like they move at a more even pace and they're usually like pretty fucking hard, but you can kind of see what you're supposed to do so you can keep – doing runs and you just like get better at it and then you can go through Mm -hmm. it i feel like with bullet hell games for me i just instantly am just like discouraged from trying to actually like get good at it because it's like so overwhelming and my head hurts Uh, (laughs) i will say that like uh i do know how to play these games because of ikaruga and because after that i played a handful of them because I was like maybe I really like this genre and then I was like I don't like this genre, <laughs> but like I know how to play them, so it's not sure. that like I don't know at all or anything. But I'm just like it's just immediately like oh my god that's so much shit to look at. Oh
1: well, so to to give a better context on Bullet Hell, what what the game does is that you know your spaceship or you know flying fourteen year old girl or whatever actually has a okay, very small hitbox. Okay, also that what
0: (laughs) what is that i guess i haven't played enough of these games to see the weird like anime stuff in them but like yeah in the game that we played you're literally like teenage girls and (laughs) i didn't see them being like over sexualized a lot but i was still just like uncomfortable and i was like what so this marks the last time that i'm letting james pick a game without me googling it first because now i'm on a (laughs) fucking list for having played this game
1: uh look all they did was shoot pink bullets
0: I'm just saying, man, I'm not comfortable with it. I'm voicing that publicly, so maybe I can get off the list.
1: I mean, you're the one that knows all the animes. So you're actually like a big character in most of these games, but you can only actually get hit on like a few pixels of real estate. In Death Smiles, it's like this little heart on the character. And in Blackbird, it's just the bird's eyeball. And so... The game will, like, shoot, like, these giant, like, kind of, like, trippy patterns of bullets at you. Kind of looks like a kaleidoscope or something. But really, your goal is to get that little pixel hitbox around the bullets so you don't get hit. It's kind of like an extreme version of, like, Irritating Stick or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, it totally is. Which, this game gives you, like, insane, like, visual sensory overload... But at the same time, you have to concentrate on that hitbox so much that you can't really concentrate on what the game looks like. Yeah. Um, a lot of these modern bullet hell games have actually gone really like minimalistic in their uh, graphic styles because of this. Uh, for example, like the Maku Unlimited series, it's like really minimalistic graphic style. So you just have to concentrate on like the bullet patterns that look like grandma's doilies or whatever uh-huh like mandela mandalas of like bullets flying at you all, all the time
0: yeah exactly mm-hmm. i think that's one thing too if i like stereotype these games is like they're kind of all the same oh totally it's super unfair thing to say but i guess like the more reasonable way to put it would be that like this genre is so specific and so much itself that all these games are ki- kind of just end up being that
1: you know well, it's like a crazy subgenre of already a niche genre, right?
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: So it's like, you know, we have heavy metal and this is like thrash metal. <laughs> yeah.
0: But it's like even more specific than that, you know? It's like yeah. something super specific, like some genre name that has like four <laughs> words in it or something.
1: Yeah. Tiny hitbox, tons of bullets. Um, generally, these bullet hell games will give you screen clearing bombs. So, like, if you know you're screwed, you can use the bomb to clear all the bullets off the screen. Sure. Um, Another thing is that bullet hell games generally have a, like, pretty in-depth scoring system. Uh, A lot of them uh, reward the players for actually, like, hanging out close to the bullets. Like, being in proximity of a bullet will give you a higher score. Um, Don Mako Unlimited 3 does that a lot. So, um, or uh, another thing they do is, like, chain enemy deaths, which uh, Blackbird does. So you sure. want to keep like the enemies' explosions rolling so you get the highest score. Yeah. Um, so Cave, which developed Death Smile, Death Smiles is a company that's notorious for bullet hell shooters. They started in around '95 and they ended in about 2015. They're former employees of a company called Toaplan, which made. Um, Genesis games like Truxton and Zero Wing, you know, all your base or belong to us. Yeah. Cave holds the Guinness World Records for the most prolific developer of uh, Danmaku shooters. They released 48 games uh, in 15 years. Yeah. Um, almost all of them are vertical shooters, except for Death Smiles and Pro Gear. Um, Pro Gear is a collaboration with Capcom, and it is super fucking sick. It's one of my favorites. It's got kind of a um, a steampunk vibe, but it's not like super corny. It's more like classy Final Fantasy a- animation steampunk kind of stuff. Sure, looks pretty cool. It's basically like Metal Slug in the skies. I actually like Pro Gear a little more than Death Deathsmiles, but it ain't horror. So <laughs> Sure. Yeah, that's Cave. Uh, unfortunately, they shut down in, like, 2015. Uh, but you can still get a bunch of Cave collections online. And most of their uh, best games are on Steam. Along, you know, along with Death Smiles. Like, Do- Dodonpachi is one of my favorites. And there's another game of, like, flying teenagers called ESP Ra Day. And it's basically, like, a- Akira flying through the air. Okay, sure. <laughs> and there's a one about, like, a bug princess called Mushi sama Which is, like... That game is, like, top-tier bullet hell. It's just, like, crazy amounts of bullets. Sure. Anyways, uh, Cave also made some non-shooter games. You may be familiar with Yanya Kabalista City Skater for the PlayStation 2.
0: Yeah, I actually have yeah. a really distinct memory of that game.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: yeah, so I actually bought a copy of it when I was, like, super obsessed with, like, skateboarding games, right? Because uh, I was at Circuit City. <laughs> mm, and then I like saw the box. I must have been like 14 or something, I feel like, or like around that age. And like, I was like, that looks cool. And it was like on super sale. I was like, I'm going to buy that. And I took the box up to the register and I was like, I'm going to buy this, you know? And the dude's like, oh, hold on. It's got like a tag it means it comes with something I have to get from the back.
1: Uh-huh. So it goes
0: to the back. And I'm just standing there for like 15 fucking minutes. I'm just are there feeling like an idiot because I was like, man, this sucks. Like, and I like, but maybe it comes with something cool. Like, maybe it's like a t shirt or so I don't know. But I'm just standing there for like 15 fucking minutes. And the dude comes back and it comes with like a tiny tech deck. Do you remember? It's like, <laughs> yes. It's like a tiny skateboard replica that the wheel has like working wheels you know if for people are familiar with tech decks but it came with a fucking tech deck and i was like this is so fucking stupid (laughs) like i just waited here for like 20 minutes while this guy like rummaged around in the back of the edina minnesota circuit city (laughs) because that was the only circuit city in the whole area uh Anyway,
1: yeah, that game was I'm sure that Yanya Cabalista City Skater tech deck is worth big bills now.
0: I know. I immediately lost it. <laughs> I sold my copy, I think, when I when I ebayed my whole
1: collection.
0: Mm. So I probably got my money back on the game, but not on the tech deck. Uh, that, yeah. that game was okay.
1: Yeah, I mean, sure. <laughs> it was it was interesting.
0: It had this weird control scheme. It was okay.
1: Yeah, they also made Trick and Snowboarder on PS One, <laughs> and a bunch of driving games on PS One. Um, most of them didn't come to America, sure. But yeah, besides that, six million Bullet Hell games. Yeah, like that was their shit. Yeah, and it's it's funny because like going to arcades in Tokyo, every place that has old school machines will have Dodonpachi on uh like a Sega Astro City cabinet. Sure. Like every single arcade has one.
0: Yeah, and like Don Pachi is like one of those games that you have to play. I mean, if you're into like shooters, it's God just kind of like a classic. Yeah. Um, you know, once again, it's not like my shit, but I've played it. It's it's good. You know, mm-hmm. it's like along with you know, I think in America because our arcades are different. Like, it seems we would have played something more like 1942 yeah uh or something but it seems like that kind of game like it's a real like minimalistic like vertical shooter it's a good game
1: sure yeah sometimes we would get lucky and get like a strikers 1945 or something like that which i actually played a lot at the bowling alley
0: yeah Yeah. oh totally well there's a while too when a lot of places wherever i was living it may have been cincinnati um they had those like snk multi-machines sure like i think some of those like more obscure arcade machines were really cheap because you could go somewhere weird and they... Like, you go to a Fuddruckers and they'd have some, like, weird Japanese arcade machine. It's yeah. like
1: Ryden 5.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot about Raiden. That's yeah. the... Uh, I was trying to remember, like, when I was kind of doing some research for this episode, I was like, I remember playing a lot of 1942 and there's one other game like that that you could find everywhere. Yeah. Uh, Ryden. That was it. I played a shit ton of those games.
1: Looking at, like, the old vertical shooters, you can see how these, like... Subgenres split off, because Ryden feels like one of those real slow-paced, like zevius type games. Yeah, and then we got the cute-em-ups like Fantasy Zone and Twin Bee. Yeah, and then we got the more, um, you know, we started seeing the more fast-paced actiony stuff with like 1942
0: and 1943. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, it, it's just really interesting watching all those split off, and then also, you know, we're going to be talking about Blackbird. Um, We got games like Defender, which instead of just flying to the right or flying up, you turn around, you fly left and right, and you actually uh, have to like do things like save people and blow up bases, you know, Defender and Choplifter did that sort of stuff back in the day.
0: Well, totally. And I think my relationship with the genre is like mostly through treasure, not just because I love Ikuruga, but like. A lot of treasure games have elements of shooters and bullet sure. hell, and like I feel like part of the reason I love treasure games is that they manage to put those ideas and elements into games that are a little slower paced and a little more like adventury feeling, mm-hmm. you know. So something like Gunstar Heroes or Gunstar Superheroes like has all the crazy projectiles and enemies and and the crazy animations and and look. But it's in a way where you have to slow down. You can appreciate the environments and kind of look around at what you're doing, which I think is cool.
1: And, you know, also, this is our bi-weekly Near Automata reference. Oh, yeah. Uh, near Automata brought in Bullet Hell sort of into the mono genre mainstream Yeah, uh, with some of its battles.
0: Yeah. Oh, well, totally. Um, and I think in that sense, actually, uh, near Automata kind of reminded me of like, treasure in the way that it mixed totally. up genres and mixed up styles Neurotoma is almost like what i would imagine treasure would make if they made a mono genre game you know what i'm saying right. yeah. Uh, but yeah so I, I like the the games that are a little more even and measured and kind of give you some space to to look around and also focus on like how you're upgrading and progressing like mm-hmm. through the game. That's something I always really liked about um, Gradius and especially like the later entries into the, the Gradius series and also R type, mostly R type.
1: Gradius and Parodius were just so unforgiving because if you died, you had to just start with a little pea shooter again. Yeah. Uh, so brutal to like build your weapons back up. That's one cool thing about these Bullet Hell games is that a lot of times there aren't even any upgrades. You just start with like the biggest giant blaster gun that takes up half the screen (laughs) yeah
0: but i think that the the difficulty loop or the gameplay loop of those older games where you're supposed to be getting upgrades and building on and then the idea is that you don't die is somehow more appealing to me Mm. than just being able to drop in and just also getting smacked in the face with like (laughs) <laughs> All this crazy shit, like I actually like that and and I think that i I liked Blackbird so much because I think it nails that loop in a way that's really accessible, mm. like to modern
1: players so gr- the Gradius and R type games were the were the types where if you died, the screen would go black and you would have to start back over at a checkpoint yeah, um which i I always like the ones where you could just kind of resume where you're at. More like the Thunder Force games and things like that. Sure, they tend to be they tend to be quicker and more action paced. While games like R type, your sh- your ship is flying like super slow, and you might have to navigate like walls and things like that, so you don't get like smashed in. Yeah, um, or you'll start back at the checkpoint. R type Leo for the arcade was, I think, the only R type game where you didn't have checkpoints. You could just start back where you were and our type Leo is sick
0: the more you talk about it the more I think it's like the difference between like doom metal and thrash metal
1: <laughs> yeah it <laughs> really know, is
0: no. like I love doom and doom adjacent stuff cause it's just slow and heavy and that's what I like and then like <laughs> if I when I listen to thrash metal most of the time I'm like god it's just too fast <laughs> and it's like god all those solos are just like note after note and there's no key or melody you know it's just like yeah. funny where it's like it's it's like this is the exact same thing for me where i just like i love those like slow heavy feeling games and when i play (laughs) the ones that are just like sensory overload i'm like oh you know i think i'm just like that about everything
1: kind of well i mean something like r-type final is probably one of the best horizontal shooters ever made and that game has a glacial pace so
0: yeah totally i think too the weird thing about shooter games and it's once again it's why i love ikaruga so much is that like if you get into the flow and pace of these games and they let things move at a slightly slower pace and they have these nice visuals and everything comes together they can be like mm-hmm. super relaxing
1: they can yeah um, i actually find bullet hell games to be relaxing too
0: yeah, I just can't get there with bullet hell games. <laughs> yeah, like it's, it's almost like you have to put
1: your brain into like a fugue state or something where you're not actually like processing everything. Uh, like I feel like sometimes like my eyes will cross a little bit and then I'll start like getting really good at bullet hell games.
0: Yeah, I think like I especially can't do it because of AV stuff. Because like mm. <laughs> with Pro Tools and with like Adobe Premiere, but especially Pro Tools, it's like you have to be focused in moving at a fast pace. So like when I, I can't do the thing that you're talking about anymore with blood hell games. Cause it's like my eyes are just trained to like track
1: all the details. <laughs> it's kind of like crossing your eyes to see the magic eye poster.
0: Yeah. I can't do those either. I never <laughs> got the hang of those.
1: Yeah. It's not easy. Uh, but, but yeah, but sometimes like after like 20 minutes of playing through a game, it'll click. Like, I, I'll play through Death Smiles twice in one sitting, and the first run through I play, like, shit, and then the second run through it, like, clicks, and I'm, I stop thinking about it, and I do a lot better. Yeah. And I probably won't use a continue until, like, the third or fourth stage. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And but then, you yeah. know, the, the sense of satisfaction, like, getting through one of those stages without being hit is just, like, chef's kiss. Well, and You see that cuphead feeling.
0: Well, that's the one thing that's universal across all these games for people who haven't played these games or aren't familiar. If you want to try, like, you have to be prepared for a game that is about 30 minutes long, but the longevity of it comes from the fact that you want to play it over and over and just get better Mm -hmm. at it. Mm -hmm. I think the more old school mentality was you have to get better at it to beat it. So they wouldn't give you difficulty options or anything to make the game easier, um, surprisingly, that's actually what Blackbird does. Uh, but the whole game is just significantly easier and more accessible than like picking up Gradius for the NES or something. Sure. Um, absolutely. But the original idea was just make it hard so the player can't beat it. Uh, the more modern idea, I mean, but games started doing this a long time ago, but still the more modern mentality is like, just make the game fun and rewarding to get better at. So players want to play it over and over and over and get better and better and better at it. Mhm. It's definitely a mentality that is not super present in games anymore.
1: Like, well, we do have things like Rogue Legacy um games like that where like when you die, you have to start all the way over from the beginning. Sure. Um so we do see some of that. I don't know. I haven't played games like Binding of Isaac, but I would aren't aren't isn't Binding of Isaac like that too.
0: Well, roguelike games take a slightly different approach i mean Mm. i think roguelike games are more similar to a lot like dark souls and a lot of the dark souls inspired games where they just kind of let you start over with a penalty so it's meant Mm. to keep you just playing continually even though you're quote unquote losing um i think with these games in my opinion the difference is that the satisfaction comes from just like within like oh i just like this and i just want to get better at this or i want to be better at this Mm -hmm. uh and also it's just like if you enjoy the game you want to just keep playing it so you're sort of reaching for these ephemeral goals because you want to keep playing the game because it's fun uh Mm -hmm. i talk a lot about on the show about like tactile satisfaction with a game you know like if totally. you pick it up and you just click with it or you don't click with it these games are the most extreme version of that because <laughs> you're either going to pick it up and be like this is cool or like i don't like this and mm. if you think it's cool you might play this game for untold fucking hours like i have with igaruga or sure. you might just be like whatever you know
1: Hmm. yeah yeah well, all right. So, going back to Death Smiles, um, it's in terms of gameplay, it's pretty traditional. With you're gonna fly to the right and shoot things as they come towards you. Um, it does mix it up a bit because you can actually. Uh, so the A button, no, the B button shoots to the right, and the A button shoots to the left. So you do have like enemies coming from both sides that you have to pay attention to. It does get signposted on the screen when they're coming up in from behind you, which is actually kind of nice because that would... Games like R-Type don't do that, and you just have to memorize it. Yeah, um, totally.
0: Well, no, I have actually have... I don't think I've ever played a horizontal scrolling bullet hell game.
1: Mm, yeah, they're pretty rare.
0: Yeah, like a horizontal... Game that's squarely in the bullet hell genre like this is Mm -hmm. so the free movement is pretty cool to make another treasure reference it actually kind of reminded me of bangayo um where you can basically like move around wherever you want on screen with the control stick and then you choose the direction you're shooting with the shoulder buttons
1: yeah that one's more of like a dual stick shooter with gravity yes yeah which is another subgenre, genre the dual stick shooter you know the <laughs> yeah. robotrons yeah
0: right but i actually found that the the control scheme i used where i was like i said moving with the left stick and then shooting left and right with the mm-hmm. the triggers on the yeah. controller like actually kind of felt like bonga does which was cool and also like yeah. it gives you these screen clearing bombs which yeah. was also like a total like bonga thing that game was all about kind of setting up these crazy systems and then like clearing the screen.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's 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 four characters you can play as, or five depending on the version of the game. Yeah. And they all have different familiars. And the familiars are kind of like um what do they call them in R type? The options. The yeah. little the little ships that fly around you. And so depending on what character you choose, the uh, familiars will do different things. I prefer the nerdy girl because she has, like, a giant (laughs) flamethrower following her around. Sure. She's pretty awesome. Um, And then if you hold the X button, it does kind of, like, a uh, homing attack, which I never found really very useful. But it'll, like, depending on the character, it'll, like, put, like, a circle on screen. And whatever's in the circle will automatically get attacked by the character and the familiar. But I just never really found good uses for it. No. Well, especially because the basic
0: attack you have is just like giant death beam. Screen clearing. Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) it's like you have a giant death beam. Why do you need this? You have that and you have a screen clear bomb. I don't know what else you'd need.
1: It might have more use on the higher difficulties when your movement's limited because of all the bullets filling the screen. When you buy the Steam version of this game, it comes with six versions inside, which is kind of ridiculous. Yeah. Um there's the original arcade version and then there's the Mega Black label version. Okay. Which was actually like a super limited release in J- Japanese arcades. They only made 200 copies. That added the extra character and it changed the way the scoring happened. And then there's a version 1.1 which I believe was the Xbox 360 version. Okay. Uh, this was one of the super super rare instances of uh, like in Japan, an Xbox 360 game being uh, exclusive to Xbox 360. So like, if you wanted to play these like cave shooters, you had to get an Xbox in Japan. Huh. Uh, but anyways, version 1.1 was I think is the Xbox version, and it let you actually independently control your familiars with the right stick.
0: Oh, so you're flying cool. your
1: character around with left stick, and then you can control the familiars with the right stick sure there's like six versions to play in this but really all you need to play is the black label 1.1 uh unless you're like an ultra nerd i don't know any of the other differences oh it it also adds uh two new stages too like two bonus stages so why would you not play any other version
0: yeah i didn't really get what was going on when i played it so i think i just played the original <laughs> arcade version but okay. i was like yeah. i didn't i was like what is all this shit and then i clicked it and it like basically started an emulator of the game and i was like what yeah. the fuck and then i figured yeah. out but i was like well i guess i'll just keep playing this you know
1: the the extra stages are shoehorned in right before the last stage and they are hard as hell yeah yeah so i probably made the right choice. I mean, I, I enjoyed it, but your minds may vary. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I mean, okay, so besides the gameplay, I do want to talk about the visuals because it's very, like, gothy. Like, I was trying to d- describe it to you, and I, I said it was like if, if Bloodstained was a bullet hell game did I did I did I hit that or did I miss the mark
0: no that was like spot on I mean yeah Yeah. so like the reason that we're talking about this game you know is because it is 100% the bloodstained aesthetic which is like classic horror design and visuals but slathered in like hilarious neon like Mm -hmm. and partially it's you know because of the bullet hell Style that there's just like tons of crazy neon bullets everywhere, but they also like work it into the enemies and the stage design and stuff. Uh, yeah, it's great in that hideous eye searing way that Bloodstained is. I actually really like it. <laughs> like, I'm saying that super as a colorful,
1: super over the top, tongue in cheek. Yeah, like we're talking like big dog heads and stuff, you know?
0: Yeah, or just like one <laughs> of the like power ups or like point, uh, point items that you grab are like these little skulls. And, yeah. like, well, they're actually huge. They're almost the size of your character, and they just, like, fly out of everything. And so, like, you're just, like, <laughs> constantly filling the screen with, like, these, like, shitty, kind of, like, pre rendered skulls. And then, yeah. yeah Everything's
1: just... pre rendered.
0: Yeah. And it's got that look. It's got that PS1 kind of look. Everything's, like, this pre rendered sprite that sort of, like, looks kind of crappy, but in an awesome way. Uh,
1: almost claymation y
0: yeah totally but
1: the animation is sick there are a lot of frames of animation for everything
0: yeah totally but it it does have you know it to make another treasure reference it reminds me of mischief makers or astro boy Mm, where like there was a ton of pre-rendered stuff instead of it just being purely sprite based uh i think mischief makers is like only pre-rendered like everything is with just a couple a couple little like sprite things sprinkled in
1: polygonal backgrounds yeah. yeah. everything in the foreground is pre rendered.
0: Yeah. But if you like that look, I mean, you're going to love mm-hmm. this game. And especially once again, because there's just like, there's eye monsters and ogres and just skeletons everywhere and giant evil giant cows. Giant Reapers.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I love the giant cow. Her name is Mary. Yeah. <laughs> She's like a big zombie cow that takes up like the whole city. Yeah. And then there's like a. I think the end of like the second or third stage, there's like a giant head that's like strapped down, like yeah. coming out of a grave. Yeah. It's really cool. And then the last boss name is Tyranno Satan. Are you kidding me? Thank you for listening to Zero Brightness.
0: If you'd like to support us directly, you can go to patreon.com slash zerobrightness. You can also find and interact with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Discord. All the relevant links are at zerobrightness.com. We'll see you out there. Yeah, so you you meet the main... The the sort of main antagonist. I mean, these games don't really have stories. You know, they kind of do. (laughs) This one has cutscenes, but like... You know, it's like just a couple lines of dialogue. It's like a Castlevania cutscene, you know? Sure. Uh, And uh, you meet the main antagonist whose name is Jitterbug for some reason. And then... (laughs) He goes away and is replaced by the actual last boss, Tyranno-Satan. Yeah,
1: great shit. I think there is a secret last boss too, and it's like bloody jitterbug, jitterbug but I don't know how to do it, so I guess yeah. we'll never know.
0: Yeah, it's it's very ridiculous and very over the top, but it's also it's pretty rad. I mean, I think I would say if you like bullet hell games... This game is worth playing in the same way that if you like Capcom two D fighters, the Darkstalkers sure. series is worth playing. Oh, totally, yeah. it's like the same thing. Where it's like Darkstalkers in a may in a big picture way is not that much different than like Street Fighter Alpha. I think Darkstalkers two and three on the PS one are like yeah. really fun and they have more depth like the Street Fighter Alpha games. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, you're there because you love the street fighter series and you also want like a more horror take on it or something
1: you know absolutely
0: so this game is just like that i think the visuals and the style is is really well executed
1: yeah and this is a fun experiment play the first level on easy and then play the first level with the 999 difficulty Uh and just see the absolute madness um this game really ramps up the difficulty on higher difficulty levels yeah like it it's just like a basket weave of death like 10 seconds in and it yeah. never lets up
0: yeah you know the one thing i'll say too like the only kind of bullet hell-ish game i've played that i really like the music in was ikaruga because in all the rest of the games you sort of like can't hear the music until it's like <laughs> blaring and it's just like really unpleasant um so I did, yeah a lot I of the get... more
1: modern ones actually like pay attention to that because they realize that you're not gonna play this in like a loud arcade in Osaka yeah, <laughs> yeah. uh but yeah the these old school ones are like brutal
0: yeah so I can't give it points for the sound but mm. uh like I said I think the graphics the visual style everything is really good especially if you if you liked bloodstains visual style or absolutely you appreciated the weird kind of like i don't know like neon goth uh whatever (laughs) thing it was trying to do like Mm -hmm. uh you're gonna appreciate the style in this game too
1: yeah come on down to halloween town
0: (laughs) Yeah, dude okay the the kind of like b storyline of this episode of zero brightness is like everything is nightmare before christmas
1: <laughs> sure yeah
0: because like okay yeah, how did ga- they
1: not get a cease and desist over then
0: well when did this game come out
1: 2007 or something oh ago. okay yeah 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 so seven
0: they should have totally got a cease and desist <laughs> uh but that this game, the first level is Halloween Town, which is like okay, but then you play Blackbird and it's mm. basically just Nightmare Before Christmas, the shmup,
1: sort of. Yeah,
0: <laughs> dude, it a hundred percent is.
1: It's like Nightmare Before Christmas meets a trip to the moon.
0: Yeah, 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 there's
1: a lot that goes into it, but yeah. Um, do you want to talk about Blackbird? Yeah, so speaking of horrible soundtracks.
0: No, fuck you. Blackbird's soundtrack is amazing. If you appreciate what it's doing, it's amazing. Mm -mm. It sounds
1: like a cat walking on a piano.
0: No, dude, it's awesome. Okay, okay, so Blackbird, (laughs) 2018 game made by Onion Games, uh, Mm -hmm. was on my radar personally, and I didn't even know it was like a horror thing. Like, Mm. it seemed like maybe more, like kind of a dark fantasy thing or something, but uh, it was on my radar because it's directed by uh Yoshiro Kimura who mm-hmm. former Square employee known as the director of Chulip and Moon Remix RPG Adventure um,
1: Yeah so Chulip is like what Chulip is like a 3D adventure game where you try to get people to kiss you What is this
0: Yeah you know what Chulip is more like um kind of one of those like Katamari type games Mm. Uh, you know like there were all these uh, games on the PS2 that were kind of like weird uh, over the top Japanese novelty games like Mm -hmm. Katamari, Mr. Mosquito uh,
1: Incredible Crisis well I guess that's PS1
0: yeah PS1 had some too like Incredible Crisis and uh, Mr. Domino uh, Chulup is kind of like that but yeah the point is that you uh, you kiss people (laughs) (laughs) uh it's a it's a cool game it's actually really fun i had a copy of it it was one of those like uh ps2 oddities that's actually like fun but Yeah. yeah like every game he's put out is kind of legendary for being just like weird and offbeat uh yeah but especially you know he created moon the rpg which is Really notable nowadays for being a huge inspiration on like modern offbeat RPGs like mm. Undertale. Um, yeah, Undertale, it obviously like, hugely popular. Uh, but Moon has never been officially translated into English and is actually currently getting an official translation. Really?
1: Yeah, yep. Uh, oh, speaking of Undertale, Bullet Hell Elements, hey,
0: oh, yeah, that's right, Undertale kind of did that too i forgot about that
1: um yeah so like
0: uh yoshua is like weird dude and anything he touches is at least worth checking out Mm because it's like gonna be weird and cool uh but yeah then in our discord it was kind of tipped off to us that blackbird is something we should cover and it absolutely is because blackbird is you know as you have in the notes it's uh it's a horizontal horizontally scrolling Shoot 'em up game that's in the style of specifically fantasy zone and defender
1: this uh, yeah this is absolutely a love letter to fantasy zone yep um from blowing up bases to even like the enemy patterns to some of the bosses um that are they're all direct homages to fantasy zone as a sega kid that grew up playing all the fantasy zone games um it was just like signposted just like Cuphead, Signpost, Gunstar Heroes, yeah. Blackbird, Signpost, Fantasy Zone.
0: Yeah, well, and this type of game is really cool because the basic idea behind it is like, yeah, you're a little flying guy. You know, mm-hmm. Fantasy Zone, you're a spaceship. This game, you're a weird bird creature. Uh little flying guy, and you can go either to the left or right, and you're basically on a scrolling stage that loops. Yeah. So if you go all the way to... One direction you'll end up just looping around. Mm-hmm. Uh and yeah, there are little bases you have to destroy before you can fight the boss, but there's also tons of little kind of like uh cannon fodder enemies, and there's also mm-hmm. stuff you can blow up to find hidden power-ups. They're um, all very cute too. Yes. They're super cute. <laughs> and and the idea behind the game is you go through each stage, you pull up the bases, you beat the boss while also trying to find power-ups so you can get more powerful, and your progress just carries through the whole game. When you die, you die. You have to restart the whole game.
1: Everything drops a green gem, just like everything in Fantasy Zone drops coins. Yeah. The difference here is that Fantasy Zone had shops where you'd buy upgrades, but if you died, you'd lose all your upgrades. Mm -hmm. While with Blackbird, you just keep all that progress through the whole game. And you start with five hits, and when you run out of hits, you get game over.
0: Yeah. So the one thing I will say about Blackbird, though, is that you do, yeah, you have a health bar, unlike some games that are in the style where if you get hit, you die, mm-hmm. or if you get hit and lose your shields, you die, you know? Yeah. Um, you have a health bar, and there are power-ups throughout the game. There's kind of an interesting system that I didn't totally get, and I also forgot to look up, but like, when you find a power-up, you can shoot it to change it into a different kind of power-up. Yep,
1: yeah, which is taken from Twinbee. Twinbee was the first one that did that, where you shoot power-ups to, to cycle through them. Yeah. Yeah. So when you shoot the power-up, you could either get more health, another bomb, things like that.
0: Yeah, or a speed increase. I really liked the the feel of this game and the way that it works. Like I said earlier, mm-hmm. I think it's very accessible. I think that it moves at a little bit slower pace and it's a little more like measured mm-hmm. in how it's throwing enemies and projectiles at you. I think that if you've played a game like this before, you'll be ready for it. If you've played something like Gunstar Heroes, you'll get what's going on. I think for someone who's never played a game like this, uh, it would be a little bit overwhelming, but not like playing something like Death Smiles.
1: Like, yeah, if you stand around too long, uh, salvos of bad guys will come and swarm you, and they'll do like weird formations and all shoot bullets at you at the same time. Yeah, so it's kind of best to keep moving in one direction and blow things up as you go. Yeah, um, there's a lot of like uh, terrain that you can shoot and blow up and find extra gems and goodies. And um, you really just want to keep pounding at these uh, bases because the bases generate bad guys too. Yeah. So just keep moving, keep blowing everything up, and uh, watching those cute little guys die over and over.
0: Yeah, I just love the loop and the upgrading in this game. Like it Mm -hmm. felt so good to just like get more powerful as the game went on, and so that the the later levels like felt different. It makes you want to replay it because you realize like oh I can kind of do a different build of my dude by grabbing different power ups and doing different things like your gun is always just going to get more and more powerful as you play but specifically like how many bombs you have and if you're going to be like quicker because there were some later bosses where I was like oh I wish I was even faster you know
1: yeah, yeah the, this game has this balance of like you want to rush there's only four stages so you kind of want to rush through them so you can get a chance at the last boss again but at the same time if you rush through all the stages, you're not going to completely upgrade your character. Yeah. And you really start with a pea shooter in this game, so it really does like help in getting a ton of gems early on. Yeah. And the, but yeah, that's you know, there's only four stages and you have to balance not getting hit through those four stages because you don't get a second life. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: But also like the the amount of, there's a lot of power-ups in this game. Mm -hmm. So I felt like personally you could be a little more strategic and you could be like hunting around and just enjoying the game because you knew you were going to get power ups. I feel like in some of these games where that's not the case, there's just this constant stress of like you cannot die. You are not Mm -hmm. allowed to die that this game doesn't have. And it allowed me to go through it slower and just appreciate the visuals and everything that's going on, which is really like the star of this game. In my opinion Mm. is like the insane fucking aesthetic that this game has. It's insanity. And it's so, so, so good.
1: Um, except for that soundtrack.
0: No, the soundtrack rips and you have to stop saying that we're not doing this fucking silent Hill three shit again, dude.
1: (laughs) No, I would rather listen to silent Hill three all day than to listen to this one. (laughs) dude. my girlfriend asked me to turn it down it was so bad
0: well Lacey's wrong anyway
1: no. <laughs> the po- i agreed with her
0: <laughs> no the point is okay so this game has this crazy aesthetic that's basically a nightmare before christmas edward gory mashup mm-hmm.
1: like 1920s sepia tone top yeah. hats and shit
0: yeah, so this game kind of has a story where you're like a little girl who dies, and becomes this weird blackbird creature, and that's the game.
1: Well, you forgot and- about the guy that poked her with a stick. Oh, she yeah, dies. A guy pokes her with a stick, and then she becomes a like vengeful, evil spirit blackbird ball that destroys yeah. worlds. Yeah, and so
0: one thing that's really cool is that this game does have really short, tiny cutscenes, but. Mm-hmm. They're really cool, and they actually work to like build out the world and sort of help reinforce the premise of the game and the fact that the game does have like a premise in a in a world uh, yeah, which I think is rare for this type of game.
1: well it's also got a buttload of endings too. mm-hmm. I think it has like seventeen endings or something like that.
0: Yes, and a lot of them there's like extra cutscenes, there's extra endings, and a lot of them are based on your performance. So yeah. you can look up what the conditions are. Another thing that's going to make you want to just replay this game over and over and over if you like it is that you can look up and see, okay, what do I have to do to see this group of cutscenes and get this ending. Um and it's very cool. Uh so like I said, it's all in tone and even in visual reference. It's kind of in the style of Edward Gorey, who if you're not mm-hmm. familiar with was this like writer and artist who basically drew these weird little comics uh that were all very like morbid but also childlike so mm-hmm. there's a lot of dead kids there's a lot of kids doing weird morbid shit uh and of course if you were like uh you know teenage goth kid at some point you love edward gory so of course i love edward mm-hmm. gory mm-hmm. uh and his whole aesthetic and vibe really got filtered into the mainstream through tim burton um, Yeah obviously in the nightmare before Christmas movie, but also he had comics that he used to do. Uh, one of them was adapted into that movie about the skeleton dog. What was that called? Oh,
1: uh, uh, Frank and weenie.
0: Yes. That one got adapted into movie, but he also had another one called like oyster boy. That was a character that he did a bunch of comics of. Mm-hmm. And those were all just straight up like Edward Gorey comics. They were just like Edward Gorey tributes, basically. Um, So this game kind of takes the Edward Gorey by way of Tim Burton aesthetic and just like puts it straight into the game. But the game also has really beautiful pixel art. So that's really cool, too. You get like a video game 16-bit pixel art take on that aesthetic uh so you it's know it's very
1: pixel art but it also has like modern flourishes with like modern looking lighting and yes. like transparencies and things like that.
0: Yeah, it looks awesome. And so you get to play this game that's this dark kind of gothic world like the first couple stages are sort of like towns or villages that are mm-hmm. all brown and black with these nice splashes of color. Uh, they're very, uh, like dreary, which is a great way to describe the whole Edward Gorey aesthetic. Mm -hmm. Uh, and you get these little cutscenes in between later on, it gets a little more weirdly like sci-fi, uh, the last (laughs) two stages. But I thought that was really, really cool. Um, and it kind of gives you a nice break from the vibe. But the other big part of this is the music and sound in the game. All right. So, okay, so basically, like, I'm just going to assume you guys have seen Nightmare Before Christmas. And if you haven't, just look up the song, Oh, This Is Halloween, and just listen to that. That's basically the music in this game, except it's more ridiculous and also sung by these weird, like, slightly out of tune voices.
1: Yeah, there's like a nonsense gibberish choir the whole time. Yeah. And it's just infuriating to listen to. It's just like so whimsical. I hate it. Okay, so here's the thing. Stab me in my ears. I
0: don't like musicals. I don't like music that sounds like that. But the fact that the music in this game is so fucking insane, I actually enjoyed. (laughs) Because it's like, it doesn't sound like a real musical. It doesn't sound like something would actually put on a stage and say, you know, hey, fans of cats, check this out. It's like complete Garbo music. It makes no fucking sense.
1: It sounds like a music major that like got his bachelors in music, but like works at half price books now and does like, and like scores like music for his like local theater. It, it's just awful. I no See, it.
0: I disagree with that because that implies that there's kind of like a knowing aspect to it. This is like pure insane. This is like if you took like some weird, like drugged out busker and like put them in a pro studio and was like, make a soundtrack. And it's just like them hitting every key on the piano at once and howling. Oh,
1: it's awesome. You know what it is? It's that basement music in Resident Evil Director's Cut that's all fucked up.
0: But like, if someone did like a full orchestral reimagining of it. (laughs) which is awesome actually dude it's so good and the other thing is is it's dynamic so it responds to the gameplay there's like extra effects and different things that happen to it it's so good and it's also it sounds like shushu it does kind of sound like shushu
1: steampunk shushu
0: yeah dude i love shushu though and like i think the reason it worked for me is that it's hard to get the music to work with these type of games because there's so many sound effects and so many things going on, especially in this game, there's people yelling and explosions and, but it's all like weird and cartoony. So to have the music also basically be nonsense means that they, they actually merge together in a really nice, like nonsense landscape. Oh, mm. I loved it. I thought it was fantastic.
1: Okay. Okay. <laughs> 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 Agree to disagree on that.
0: Well, yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah. like, a, just like bullet hell games give me a fucking headache. I could totally see someone hearing this game and being like, this is giving me a fucking headache. I don't know. I love the experience of playing this game. I thought it was so fun and so like satisfying.
1: Well, and it's got that loop. Like, you know, it's only going to be a 30 minute game. And then like right when you hit that game over screen, you want to like hit start and try again because you'll know you'll do better the next time.
0: It's funny, like the more you play this game, you realize that there's actually a lot of weird little strategies and things you can do to try and do better in the stage or get mm-hmm. all the uh, get all the like uh, power ups in a stage and just generally do better. And because of the loop in the game and the way it works, you're really incentivized
1: to do that. It's mm-hmm. awesome. And I gotta say if 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 you love this game, you have to play the original fantasy zone. And the Japan and Europe exclusive uh, Sega Genesis Fantasy Zone,
0: mm-hmm. uh, it's
1: such a great game that North America never got, and it's a real shame.
0: Well, and you know another thing I forgot to mention earlier when we were talking about Yoshiro Kimura is that mm. he has worked on a bunch of games that are relevant to horror and relevant to our show, namely mm-hmm. uh, Rule of Rose. Oh, really? Yeah. So he worked on Rule of Rose, which is like the big thing that's worth mentioning. And also he worked at Grasshopper Manufacture. Sick. So he's worked on like a handful of uh, Grasshopper Manufacture games. So he's basically like a horror
1: guy. He's been around the block.
0: Yeah. And like when you play this game, I think the way that the aesthetics and the little bits of story and world building and everything come together... It's just really good. It's a really unique experience mm, um, yeah. that's very, very fun.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, f- like, who the fuck is making Fantasy Zone clones nowadays, you know? Like, this is a completely unique game.
0: But, like, Fantasy Zone meets
1: Rule of Rose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly.
0: The, like, alternate ending uh, where... The, the endings basically- are
1: very, like, you made Nikki almost.
0: yeah. No, they totally are. But there's one where, like, your character's ghost is, like, going through a house and there's, like, paintings on the wall and stuff. Is yeah. like, so rule of Rose. It's, like, oh, a thousand yeah. percent rule of Rose. <laughs> um, nice. And it's what, well, yeah, it's, it's kind of reminds me of his old games and reminds me of Yume Nikki and all the stuff that I wasn't expecting to see. Uh, maybe a little bit, too, of, like, some of the 8 bit horror stuff that we, 8 or 16 bit horror stuff we've talked about on the show before, like, E version. Um, mm. and, and all the fake eight and 16 bit horror games we've talked about in that one episode. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's man, it's a really cool game. It's really unique. Uh, it's hard to find stuff about it online. Like I was trying to really like dive in and do research and, uh, wasn't like a ton of info. Like I really want to know more about the soundtrack cause I was like, this was made by a fucking psychopath and I really <laughs> want, so maybe one day I'll figure that out.
1: Tell me, telling you, man, cat on Corg Triton workstation
0: yeah but like so sick (laughs) like I said I I think it's really you know the funny thing I think especially for music people like us Mm. uh, the soundtrack to something can either just be great on its own or it can also be great because it works with what's going on Sure. so like I'm never gonna look up the soundtrack to this on YouTube and listen to it like mark my fucking words but in the work itself It's like, oh, this is great, actually. Mm -hmm. And this is, like, such an inspired choice because with the aesthetic and with the game, there's a thousand other directions they could have gone in, and I'm glad they went with this insane one because I think it really works.
1: I'd rather just mute it and listen to Doom Metal instead. (laughs) You do you, buddy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I do think that these games you know, we've kind of already talked about it, but I do think that these games are so much about your like visceral response to them that Mm. people do have like really strong opinions and really strong responses to them, Mm -hmm. you know? And so, yeah, I feel like there's people who will uh, try these types of games and just be like, oh, this is insane. Why would anybody ever play this?
1: (laughs) Well, it's interesting because it's such a... It's such a niche subgenre, but at the end of the day it's such it's got such deep history in you know in in the world of video games that it you know its roots go almost all the way back to the beginning, you know. Mm-hmm. And I can respect a company like Cave that can focus on one singular thing and make it just like sort of like their their entire company's work to do you know Dojin style bullet hole games sure and uh i don't know there's something like amazing like, in that that's like the one guy that like oh i make knives for chefs every day for 75 years you know what i mean there's like there's like a cool like old master style thing going on there you know what i mean and yeah. cave does that for me i love that and i love exploring through caves video game library
0: sure Yeah, I think, well, it's similar. You know, I love Blackbird because Blackbird is way more my style of game. Mm -hmm. Like, it's like a simple classic game that's made by someone who has a history of making these really, like, boundary-pushing, unique games. Mm -hmm. And I think it is one of those games in its own weird way. Um, Man, I really wanted to talk more about Yoshiro Kimura, but I forgot all the shit that I had looked up uh, (laughs) because he made another crazy game uh, called Lack of Love. Uh, it's sometimes oh, yeah. style, yeah. LOL for the Dreamcast, um, uh, which is basically like this weird survival game, uh, where you're like this little alien bug that has to survive through these stages and collect things in order to like grow and advance and eventually evolve. You know, mm. uh, it's a really cool game and it's really crazy, just like really simple and experimental and like. I don't know he kind of manages to bring that flair i think to most of the games he's done i'm really excited to play moon uh when that official translation is finished because that's supposed to be like a classic you know
1: i love it when niche games get official translations yeah give me yeah. all of them
0: but I, I do feel like if you like that type of game the blackbird's like a must play it has those vibes and yeah you know sometimes those vibes are in short supply and you just need the vibes
1: I do feel like it's kind of expensive. It's $20 on the eShop. Do you think that's high mm. for this?
0: Well, I think if you don't like it, yeah. Mm. But then like if you do like it, you're going to play it over and over and over. So, yeah. I think 15 would probably be like a better price. Mm. I think it it was recently, it might still be on sale for like 12 bucks, and that's like a yeah. good deal, I think.
1: Yeah, I think Death Smile is on sale for like 12 bucks. I don't know, the these short games um I don't know. Maybe ten bucks or less for both of them was where I would buy in. But yeah, like
0: I said, it's so personal because, like, yeah. you know, I got Ikaruga for really cheap, but I've played that game for hours and hours and hours, right? Mm-hmm. But like, if I bought it for, you know, let's say when it came out and I bought it for forty bucks, if I played it once and didn't like it, or I was like, I can't play this, I would have felt really pissed because I'm out mm-hmm. my forty dollars. But then again, it's like they're kind of like these niche. They're very like. Bespoke, you know, it's like this handmade thing. It's for you because you're part of this niche group that likes this subgenre. Mm-hmm. You kind of already know you're interested in it. You know that you're going to have to spend a little more money on it. You know,
1: yeah, for sure. Yeah, Death Smiles. It's kind of like a uh, evergreen because of its prestige. Like it never goes super cheap. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, that's kind of the way it goes. I mean, there are a lot of five dollar shoot 'em up games on Steam that you could get, but uh the Cave ones kind of stay higher in price. Yeah, they know what they is.
0: They don't all have a realistic gigantic cow as a boss named Mary.
1: No, that's true. Goth cows.
0: That's what that extra $10 is buying you, bud.
1: Yep. Death Smiles, four stars. Uh, Blackbird, I'm going to give it um, 3.75 stars.
0: <laughs> Are you knocking that bit off for the soundtrack?
1: Fuck yeah, I am. <laughs> Fuck like, you. If, if you have to turn down the game like to go through it, like that, that's a problem.
0: Nah, man, I think that the soundtrack to this game is such a, like, it's just such a test. Like, you're either going to immediately <laughs> hear it, you're either going to immediately hear it and be like, this is hilarious and I love it, or you're going to immediately hear it and do what you did and turn it off.
1: It's a test. It's like uh, getting your new girlfriend in the car and you put in Mersbo Pulse Demon on CD. See how long she, like, lasts in your car before she jumps out and runs down the street? <laughs>
0: That's what I used to do in high school, but just with all of my friends. It was like, if you (laughs) want to ride in my car, we are going to listen to harsh Japanese music. It's not going to all be the same type of harsh Japanese music, but like, we're going to listen to that.
1: It's just going to be Pulse Demon. 50 (laughs) CDRs of Pulse Demon.
0: No nah, man, I had a rotation. You know, it was like I had my nine Boris CDs, and then I had <laughs> Otomo Yoshihide Ground Zero, mm-hmm. and then I yeah I had Pulse Demon in there, and then I had like uh, Boredoms
1: and K G Hino.
0: Yeah, some K G Hino shit. A little was Acid like,
1: Mother's Temple.
0: Oh, of course, Acid Mother's Temple. One of the Are you kidding? <laughs> One of the eight albums that all sound exactly the same, which is basically like a stoner rock band playing while a bunch of weird noises and a guy wailing like a baby. It's fucking Wild awesome. While the guitar's on fire. Dude. Yeah. Acid Mother's Temple is sick as fuck. <laughs> Man, one time I bought an Acid Mother's Temple bootleg and I was like really psyched. And I put it in and it was literally just like solo sitar for 40 minutes. <laughs> I was so I don't bummed. Doubt it. Dude, I was fucking bummed. But did like, he Man. set the
1: sitar on fire?
0: No, he just gently strummed it and occasionally sang. Nice. It was pretty horrible, but I still love that band.
1: Oh yeah. The That's what you get yeah. for buying a bootleg, not supporting the artist, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: I learned my lesson.
1: It's just a Rick Astley for forty minutes.
0: Yeah. Well, back then, I mean everything like that was a bootleg because there were no official releases of this shit because the only mm. people listening to it were like 16 year old psychos like me <laughs> so it's like there it was not a big market all most of my boris cds i had because i went to one of their shows and just spent like 200 at the merch table because you just couldn't get that shit
1: i used to get all the import boris cds from amoeba in la and just get them shipped to me
0: oh sure
1: yeah those were the days <laughs> Before pink came out in America and I had to get the Japanese version with all the, uh, it's like Pantone color chips, but they look like acid tabs.
0: Yeah, yep. Yeah. Yeah, that shit was cool. <laughs> I had the Japanese version of um, Heavy Rocks and it's kind of like that. It's like orange mm. on orange printed. Yeah. And like the liner notes are all cards. So instead of being a booklet, it's just like eight cards fall out of the CD case. Dude, orange fucking Orange Heavy rad.
1: Rocks was good. Purple Heavy Rocks, not so much
0: dude purple heavy rocks rips you just have to get into it Mm. i didn't like it when it came out but then it grew on me and now it's actually one of my faves i love that really yeah
1: yeah it's so ballsy for a band to put out two albums with the same name and they've done it like multiple times
0: yeah and they're all like 15 years apart or some shit you know like ridiculous i love it they have a new one they just put out a new record they need to listen to i heard it's good nice
1: i'm gonna go uh Check out my that Boris discography that I missed because I wasn't paying attention for two months. There's 75 new albums to listen to.
0: <laughs> this is not an overstatement.
1: <laughs> not at all. This was a fun episode. We got to well, so we're about to jump into um, fucking Deadly Permutation two. So we're yes. gonna have to do some shorties in between. So if you've got suggestions for short uh, episodes for us to do, we'd love it yeah
0: man you know I would do horror fighting games honestly like
1: yeah we got horror fighting games yeah you know we could do an NES horror episode we could do a Genesis horror episode and just do a rundown of all the shitty horror games for them you know
0: yeah those would be super fun I would totally do that I mostly just want to talk about Darkstalkers and also I want to talk about Shaq Fu because Shaq Fu is a horror fighting game for multiple reasons you know
1: we got made by Delphine Software uh, also the developers of Flashback
0: Yes, also the developers of bathwater, so
1: Yes. <laughs> Can we sell zero brightness bathwater yet?
0: Uh I don't know. Do people find us sexually attractive?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Let me go away from my girlfriend.
0: Honey <laughs> <Hi! laughs> help.
1: <laughs> I can't get out of the bathtub.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm stuck in here. <laughs> both of us with our fucking chronic back problems or whatever.
1: (laughs) Fuck. No, we could sell it like the Miracle Water from Disaster Report 4.
0: Oh, yeah, totally. (laughs) God, Disaster Report 4 feels like some weird dream I had.
1: Right? What a
0: fantastic game.
1: Remember the the innocent early days of COVID where it was Uh, like, oh, they got 50 cases in my city. Oh, my God.
0: I actually am real life nostalgic for the early days of covid now (laughs) it's so bad we're all gonna die that's america
1: Yep, that's america we're all gonna die
0: Uh uh-oh another episode where we didn't do a game club you know what that means i'm gonna do game club by myself that's right just me no one else i guess it's you and me you're here too right You are here, right? Anyway, next week, it's gonna be the movie episode. Fatal Frame 2014 and Detention 2019. Couple of adaptations for ya. Good stuff. After that on the schedule is D and D2. Kenji Eno, Warp Games. Couple of classics. Sort of the proto- deadly premonition and then of course deadly premonition 2 um i don't know if that's before or after the d episode but it's in there i already finished it and i know what i think you might even know what i think because i was kind of popping off about it in the discord sorry sorry if you had to hear all that it got weird anyway that's it there'll be more episodes after that of course there always are And hopefully, you'll be there to check him out. You are still there.